But good morning. Welcome to Zion on this fourth Sunday after Pentecost. Always a joy to worship with you and to hear God's word together with you. Before we begin our worship, a few things to share. Uh, first, just a big thank you to everyone who contributed to VBS this week. Too many volunteers to name, uh, but thank you so much for your time and dedication to making it work. Uh, thank you. Thank you to those who prayed this week for VBS. Thank you for those who have contributed financially over the past year for VBS. Uh, but I think it was a successful week. It was a week in which I know our children had fun, but which I think they grew in their understanding and awareness of the Bible and left with positive associations of the church. So uh, I, think, I think God truly blessed, blessed our week. So thank you to those who, who made it possible. Also a reminder that we have our congregational meeting next Sunday following worship. If you remember, you should have received a letter um, about the business of that meeting. Uh, also a reminder that our Bible study on the book of Revelation will begin this Thursday. So I look forward to taking some time uh, with all of you and, and looking through the kind of complex and mysterious book of the Bible as we kind of unpack its beauty and some of its questions together. Um, I think it will be an edifying time. If you're able to make it, uh, please do so. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, finally, you'll notice in your bulletin that we have a family game night scheduled for the 17th. So plan to be there, bring a snack, bring a game, spend some time with us, hang out with us, and have fun if you're able to. Are there any announcements or prayer requests for us? this morning. All right. If there's nothing else, I'll invite you to take a moment to quiet your hearts and quiet your minds as we listen to the prelude and prepare for worship.
congregation, I invite you to stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for you. And for his sake, God forgives you all your sins. To those who believe in Jesus Christ, he gives the power to become the children of God and bestows on them the Holy Spirit. Amen.
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. God of glory, Father of love, peace comes from you alone. Send us as peacemakers and witnesses to your kingdom and fill our hearts with joy in your promises of salvation. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. A reading from Isaiah. Rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad for her, all you who love her. Rejoice with her in joy, all you who mourn over her that you may nurse and be satisfied from her consoling breast, 
that you may drink deeply with delight from her glorious bosom. For thus says the Lord, I will extend prosperity to her like a river and the wealth of the nations like an overflowing stream. And you shall nurse and be carried on her arm and dandled on her knees. As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. You shall be comforted in Jerusalem. You shall see and your heart shall, shall rejoice. Your body shall flourish like the grass and it shall be known that the hand of the Lord is with his servants and his indignation is against his enemies. The word of the Lord. Our psalm for today is Psalm 66, verses 1 through 9. Be joyful in God, all you lands. Be joyful in all the earth. Sing glory to God, sing. Sing glory to God's grace. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. Because of your great strength, your enemies cringe before you. All the earth bows down Come now and see the works of God, how awesome are God's deeds toward all people. Ruling forever in might, God keeps watch over the nations. Let no rebels exalt themselves. Our God has kept us among the living and has not allowed our feet to slip. A reading from Galatians. My friends, if anyone is detected in a transgression, you who have received the spirit should restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Take care that you yourselves are not tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if those who are nothing think they are something, they deceive themselves. All must test their own work, then that work, rather than their neighbor's work, will become a cause for pride. For all must carry their own loads. Those who are taught the word must share in all good things with their teacher. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for you reap whatever you sow. If you sow to your own flesh, you will reap corruption from the flesh. But if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life from the Spirit. So let us not grow weary in doing what is right, for we will reap at harvest time if we do not give up. So then, whenever we have an opportunity, let us work for the good of all, and especially for those of the family of faith. See what large letters I make when I am writing with my own hand? It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh that try to compel you to be circumcised only that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. Even the circumcised do not themselves obey the law, but they want you to be circumcised so that they may boast about your flesh. May I never boast of anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is anything, but a new creation is everything. As for those who will follow this rule, Peace be upon them, and mercy, and upon Israel, the Israel of God. The word of the Lord. Gospel according to St. Luke. Glory to you, Lord. 
After this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you, cure the sick who are there, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we, we, we wipe off and protest against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near. Whoever listens to you, listens to me. And whoever rejects you, rejects me. And whoever rejects me, rejects the one who sent me. The 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, in your name even the demons submit to us. He said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. See, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this, that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise I invite you to be seated. Children, I invite you to come forward. All right. Well, I had a thought today. So usually you all come up, you hear me talk, and then you get some candy, right? So what if today I want you to take a piece of candy, take a piece. Now I want you to go out into the congregation and give your candy away. Go find somebody who looks like they really like candy and give them a piece. Clementine is very thoughtful about who gets that candy. Well, I did that to show you a little bit about what's going on in our gospel lesson this morning. Jesus is telling his disciples to go out where he's about to go, to go prepare people for his coming. But he says, go to these people and tell them that the kingdom of God is here. Wish them peace in their house. Bring them peace. Bring them the good news that the Messiah has come. Right, And so the disciples are no longer just following right with Jesus, but Jesus sends, sends them out to declare peace. Well, as Christians and as the church, I think that's a good reminder for us. Right? We receive good things from Christ. Right? We receive his love. We receive forgiveness of sins. We receive new life from him. But Christ also sends us out to share that with others, to tell others of the good news. We receive from God, and then we share with others. 
That's what we do as Christians. We receive and we share. But let us pray. Lord, as we receive good things from you, help us to share with others. Help us to know your peace and to share with others the peace that you give to us. Amen. All right, now you can take one for yourself. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So our readings this morning give us images of what the church is to be in the world. And my caveat, as always, is when I say church, I don't simply just mean our congregation or our particular denomination or anything like that. But the church is wherever the word of God is rightly preached and the sacraments rightly administered. But the image of the church we get from Isaiah is of a welcoming and comforting mother. So here in Isaiah, Jerusalem stands symbolically as the place where the faithful come into the presence of the Lord. And so Jerusalem can stand in place here for us, for the church. The church is where sinners are welcomed, where they are nurtured, where they are sustained, and where they are comforted by God's word. And then in our second reading in Galatians, we hear from St. Paul that the church is made up of those who bear one another's burdens. The church is where, in faithful fellowship, believers boast not of themselves and their own works, but they boast of the crucified Lord who has died for them. And then in our gospel in Luke 10, Jesus shows us how the church is to be a missionary church. The word mission is from that Latin word missio, literally ascending off to send. And those who are to labor as one sent by Christ labor as missionaries. And it's here where I want to focus our attention this morning. Because in our imagination, I think we often hear that word missionary and we think of those who are sent off to Africa, to Latin America, to Southeast Asia, and so our churches, yes, indeed, they do send missionaries to those places. We send resources there as well. But it's becoming more and more true that those places have a growing, vibrant church, a church that is standing stronger than the churches here in the West, here in America. Even if we look at the Lutheran churches, the churches in Ethiopia, Tanzania, Indonesia, Madagascar, they're all significantly larger than the Lutheran churches in America and Europe. In fact, there are five times as many Lutherans in Ethiopia alone as there are in America. And so instead of thinking about missionaries as just those who are sent to cross-cultural ministries, I think we'll soon, if we're not there yet, be required to think of how each one of our congregations exist as a missionary church in our community. And more than that, we will necessarily begin to think about how each of us as individual believers live as missionaries to our communities, to our communities that are full of people who have never heard the gospel. And so for this reason, our gospel this morning is so important for us. So as he is instructing the 70, he sends out, Jesus is telling us how to be missionaries in his missionary church. He is showing us how to be the ones who are sent out into a people that no longer know the gospel. And so we'll take a look at Jesus' words here 
and see what they have to say to us about what it means to be a missionary church in 2022 and beyond. So first, we notice when Jesus sends the disciples out into the towns, he tells them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. That phrase is remarkable to me, because whose harvest is this mission field? Well, Jesus says it's God's harvest. We always want to keep this in mind as baptized believers sent out into the world that we're not sent out to do our own work. Being a Christian is not about just us and our preferences and our desires. It's not about our ego, not about the success we need to, to feel to fill our church pews. Rather, this is about the Lord's harvest. And here we are, as St. Paul says, to boast of Christ crucified and not of ourselves. We are working for the Lord, for him. And so Jesus tells his disciples to pray for more laborers. And the truth is, we can always find laborers with an agenda, with our own agenda. We can find laborers who will seek success for themselves. But the laborers Christ calls us to be are ones who truly work for the Lord. And so he tells us to pray for the men and women, boys and girls, who will be impressed with the Lord's harvest and will happily join in that labor, not for their own gain, but in service to the Lord who saves. And so as we pay attention to that language of harvest, right, it's that, la that, that language of harvest. The laborers are called to join in the harvest. But if they are doing the harvesting it means that the Lord is already at work. It's a reminder that we as a church, we as individual Christians, we're not called to make Christians. We're not called to make Christians because that is what the Holy Spirit does. Rather, we are called to share the word with sinners. It's the Holy Spirit who enlightens hearts. And we see that if we are called to join the harvest, the Holy Spirit is already at work. The Holy Spirit is already impressing on sinners the need for a savior. So we who are sent out then are sent out to share with sinners the good news of the forgiveness of sins they have in Jesus Christ. Right? Our job as the church, our job as Christians, is to point others to Christ. That's where the harvest takes place. And so we notice as we follow along in our reading that Jesus tells the 70 to carry no purse, carry no bag, no extra sandals, and to greet no one on the road. Well, Christ is telling them that their mission is to be focused, not to get distracted on the road, but he's also telling them to trust, right? He doesn't want them to carry extra money and extra stuff because he wants them to know that much of the success of this mission work will come in trusting that the Spirit provides. If we as the church say, Let's wait to tell others about Christ until we're financially secure, until we've completed a five-year strategy plan, until we have the perfect building to worship in, and so on. Well, then we never actually get about our mission work. We'll always be preparing for the mission and never joining in the labor of the harvest because the harvest is plentiful now. The laborers are needed now. And so there comes a point when planning and reliance on financial security and all of that 
becomes a hindrance to the work of the church. And we're reminded to get out and do the ministry and not just talk about the ministry. Jesus then tells the 70 that when they get to a place, they have two things to do. These two things are to cure the sick who are there and to say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. In other words, find the people who have a need, minister to them, and tell them that Christ has come to save them. Jesus calls this church to be involved in healing. The church has a place to be concerned with spiritual, emotional, and physical healing of people. And that healing itself is centered around the church's proclamation that the kingdom has come in the person and work of Christ. As a church, Jesus commands us to tell people that the message of the gospel has something to say to those who are suffering, those who are hurting. There's a true message to be shared with one another. Finally, and remarkably, Jesus tells the 70 that he sends out to expect failure in their mission. He outlines for the disciples what to do when their message fails to take hold. And it's not a matter of if they reject you, but he says whenever they reject you. The 70 that had a clear and direct commission from Christ were often rejected. Well, we too will be rejected. It's simply true that when we are faithful to what God has called us to do, the message is not always going to be received. The pews are not always going to be filled. We can witness faithfully. We can tell people our story. We can pray for them to receive healing. We can walk, through, walk with them through their suffering. And we can invite them to receive the good news of Christ's love. But there are those whose hearts will remain hard to the message. And Christ says to us to keep going, to shake the dust off our feet and keep going. Our faithfulness will not always show the kinds of results that are dramatic, but that's just not our concern. We are called to be faithful to follow the call of the Lord of the harvest. And in all of this, we should see that Christ has called us to be out in the world, joining together with what God is doing in this world. Christianity was never simply a monastic religion in which each, each person comes to a church and has a personal spiritual practice. Instead, Christ has always called his followers to be in the world, sharing the good news that the kingdom of God has come near. I'm reminded that at our Synod Assembly last month, our bishop shared a story. He said that whenever he goes to visit a congregation, inevitably he hears the same exact thing. Someone will come up to him and say, Bishop, you should have seen this church 40 or 50 years ago. There were young families here, the pews were full, there was a great choir, there was always something going on. It just seems so vibrant. And so as gently and pastorally as he can, the bishop replies, yeah, that's really wonderful, but those days are not coming back. And if our bishop is correct, and I suspect that he is, that those days are not coming back, how important is it for us to consider Jesus' words here to the 70? Because our mission is not so different from theirs. We are to go to a people who do not know that Christ is here for them and to prepare them for the coming of Christ. 
And it's this day that we have the opportunity to say to a world filled with sin, filled with conflict, filled with suffering, peace. We have a message of peace for the world. We have the message that Christ has come, Christ has died, Christ has risen. And that's a message for everyone we encounter on our way. And so we all have the wonderful opportunity to proclaim the kingdom in our own unique mission fields, our own vocations, our own families, our friends, our communities, our neighborhoods, our places of employment. Whatever it is, we have that opportunity. We have the opportunity to share the peace of Christ with those who do not yet know it. And Christ tells us, the harvest is plentiful. Amen.
together, let us stand and confess our faith using the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, the eternally begotten of God. for the church, the world, and for all who are in need. O Lord of the harvest, at your son's instruction, we pray that you would continue to send laborers into your fields, that the plentiful harvest may be gathered into the peace of your kingdom. Lord, in your mercy. O God, you sent Jesus to preach your word, and he likewise sent forth the apostles and the seventy Grant us also faithful pastors who receive your word with thanksgiving and deliver it without fear, even when wolves threaten to devour them, and who trust that in the Lord their labor is not in vain. Lord, in your mercy. Merciful Lord, your son sent the seventy with the charge to enter homes to proclaim peace and to declare the coming of your kingdom. Grant our homes to be places in which your peace dwells, and your kingdom comes among us. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord, in this sin-sick world, nations engage in violence, injustice, and wrongdoing. Give peace, we pray, to all nations, that all people may enjoy the comforting goodness of your will being done on earth. Hear our prayers on behalf of all who make, administer, and judge our laws, especially Joseph, our president, and Richard Michael, our governor, and provide opportunities for your gospel to be claimed without hindrance in this land. Lord, Lord, in your mercy. God of all compassion, in your Son you have borne the burdens of all mankind. Look with mercy upon Denny, Steve, Nancy, Ray, Amanda, Melissa, Marilyn, Nancy, Rose, Emily, Tony, and Carolyn, and all for whom we pray. According to your gracious will, restore these servants with strength and healing, and grant them patience to await the resurrection of the last day. Lord, in your mercy. God of Israel, as your people of old drank and were satisfied by your abundant comfort shown to Jerusalem, 
May we likewise be satisfied to eat and drink of your Son's body and blood, given for our comfort and our salvation today. Lord, in your mercy. How awesome are your deeds, O Lord. You have planted us and directed us to pray that you would send workers into your fields. You have answered that prayer through your Son and his church. As your kingdom draws nearer each day, teach us to boast only in the cross of our Lord Jesus, rejoicing that our names are written in heaven. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. And now the peace of the Lord be with you always. And also with you. Holy God, gracious and merciful, you bring forth food from the earth and nourish your whole creation. Turn our hearts toward those who hunger in any way, that all may know your care, and prepare us now to feast on the bread of life, Jesus Christ our Savior and Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is indeed right, our duty, and our joy that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, Almighty and merciful Father, through our Savior Jesus Christ, who on this day overcame death and the grave, 
and by his glorious resurrection open to us the way of everlasting life. And so with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the host of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending holy, almighty, and merciful God. You are most holy, and great is the majesty of your glory. You so love the world that you gave your only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. We give you thanks for his coming into the world to fulfill for us your holy will, and to accomplish all things for our salvation. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again after supper he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people, for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. For as often as we eat of this bread and drink from this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes, Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Remembering, therefore, his solitary command, his life-giving passion and death, his glorious resurrection and ascension, and the promise of his coming again, we give thanks to you, O Lord God Almighty, not as we ought, but as we are able. We ask you mercifully to accept our praise and thanksgiving, and with your word and Holy Spirit to bless us, your servants and these your own gifts of bread and wine, so that we and all who share in the body and blood of Christ may be filled with the heavenly blessing of grace, and receiving the forgiveness of sin, may be formed to live as your holy people and be given our inheritance with all of your saints. To you, O God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be all honor and glory in your holy church, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Thanks be to God.
congregation, I invite you to stand. Let us pray. We give you thanks, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through the healing power of this gift of life. In your mercy, strengthen us through this gift and faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. For the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine on you with grace and mercy. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Amen.
peace. Serve the Lord.